Bass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing coming to you worldwide from Megaware Keelguard Studios. Here we are, Aaron, socked into full-fledged winter. It's a cold, chilly morning here at Bass Edge Radio, but we're excited to bring everyone another awesome episode here, February 1, 2019. Yes, we are, and uh, big news. You know, normally we're talking about, of course, our presenting sponsor, which is MegaWare Keelguard, but uh, beyond their fantastic products, Kurt, they have a big announcement. Pardon the pun. Yeah, you saw it on several different media outlets, Worldwide and Keelguard together. So you got Megaware partnered up with James Watson. I got to say, Aaron, I think it's a great fit. You know, James is, is a funny, goofy guy and quite frankly, kind of clumsy at times. <laughs> so I think that flex step is going to help him get in and out of the boat and uh, maybe keep his knees intact a little longer as he uh, as he gets a few more gray hairs going forward. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And uh, he it is is a good match and, and of course you know you and I know James well he dates a long-term friend of the Bass Edge project but uh, yeah excited to see with kind of his zany personality and bringing some more exposure to the already great lineup of, of Megaware Keelguard and you know Kurt you alluded to this at the beginning how cold it was and I've got to say you know I'm not a big ice fisherman but uh, certainly we've had a lot of snow a lot of winter but that's given me a lot of time to read my latest episode of Bass Angler magazine and get caught up on all of uh, Jay Kumar's bass blasters that he emails out. How about you? What in the world have you been doing during all this cold weather? Man, I've been fishing. <laughs> yeah. I've been fishing. FLW Tour number one has been knocked out and good start there. Happy to get that going. But, you know, it seems like this year everything is starting early and because we have so many more events, there's really not a lot of downtime. Even as far as being a fan of the sport, it's a constant rumble of what's going on. A lot of new announcements, a lot of anglers announcing new alignments this time of year. And uh, look, History is about to be in the making as over the next several weeks, we've got lots and lots of tournaments happening. There's so much media out there to check everything out. Just staying in tune with, like you said, Aaron, Bass Angler Mag and Bass Blasters, two of the ways I'm following everything. But man, all the websites and everything else that's a part of being stuck in cabin fever for a lot of folks in the country. How about that Arctic Blast, Aaron? Wow, them temperatures were crazy, like negative 15 last week. Yeah, nuts. I'm tired of it already. But uh, <laughs> I know that the good thing is we have a little reprieve with a lot of boat shows and some of the tackle shows going on. And of course, as always, once you head south, there's some good fishing that's already underway. And I'm looking forward to being able to start talking about the upcoming year with some of the anglers that we've got coming up. Yeah, no doubt. And like you mentioned, lots of boat shows going on, seeing those uh, tidbits on social media all over the place. So it's exciting. But I tell you what, we've got tidbits of, and that's more tackle tips. So Hang right here. We're going to bring you another tackle tip from protecttheharvest.com. This episode's protecttheharvest.com tackle tip with Elite Series Pro, Paul Mueller. When I'm fishing a hair jig, I like two styles, either a ball head or an aspirin head style jig. My favorite type of hair is a synthetic hair or, say, like a marabou style hair. Light wire jig, something around two inches or under, eighth of an ounce. Fish it on a medium light rod, seven foot in length, 10 pound braid with six pound fluorocarbon leader. And the way to fish that is just fish it very slow. You have to make sure that you maintain bottom contact and sometimes give a little bit of a hop. No trailer on this jig is necessary and uh, add a little bit of scent on uh, the thread of the hair jig. That'll get you more bites. 
but just fish it very methodical and maintain bottom contact, and that's the key to success. That's the protecttheharvest.com tackle tip. Thanks, Paul. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine Products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. The Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Livewell, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. into the spectrum. I have been snow skiing, and you have been bass fishing, so I uh, <laughs> can't say that there's a whole lot of similarities there, but I can't think of a transition there, man. Well, let me ask you, where'd you go skiing? What resort did you hit up this go-around? Well, spent uh, all of our time at Snowmass, and so was able to take Maya, my daughter, 15, oldest daughter, uh, out west for the first time to go snow skiing with uh, nice. another friend and uh, his son, so had a wonderful time, but I must tell you, I thought Missouri was cold. The top of those mountains this time of year come to be expected, but yeah, negative temperatures in the real temperature, and I don't even know what the wind chill was, but as you know, you get on a ski lift and uh, all bets are off on any exposed body part. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, in bass fishing, we're always talking about the weather and how it affected our day. You know, obviously it was cold, you're skiing, you know, it needs to be a little chilly to have snow, but how was the resort condition? Did you get some fresh powder? Or what? You know, how did that work out? 20 inches in uh, four days. <laughs> So, you know, everything is open out there. The snow is great. I will tell you one thing that I did take away that I will be able to use in fishing. You know, we talk about layering and talk about staying warm on the water because this time of year, there are a lot of people fishing, myself included, getting sure. ready for an upcoming tournament. But I did learn some new gear uh, with really going on that base layer and some of the wool and keeping that moisture away because as you're casting or as you're skiing, that is a similarity, I guess. Your body perspires and keeping that moisture away from your skin. So uh, I was able to try that out snow skiing and I can promise you I will be wearing that stuff in my uh, first tournament of 2019, which is not too far away. So you, Very on the cool. other hand, I, I don't think you found yourself in quite so cold temperatures. Absolutely not. We probably had the luckiest weather conditions possible at Sam Rayburn at the first FLW Tour event. If anybody out there has fished Rayburn before or any kind of large impoundment like Rayburn is, uh, you'll know you get blown around really, really quick out there. And this time of year, you know, it's Texas. You think, ah, it's not too cold. 
man, it can get cold in East Texas this time of year. Absolutely. And, uh, it was absolutely beautiful. Practice days were awesome. Light winds. I really think that the practice enabled the weight catches of the event. You know, we had extremely high water and that created some diversity for how the fish were caught versus what you normally see at Sam Rayburn this time of year. So um, it really threw out the local advantage, first of all. You know, Rayburn greats like uh, Dickie Newberry, Chris McCall, Russell Cecil, Todd Castledine. Man, there are a lot of great Rayburn anglers out there that really kind of had a difficult time. And there's a few that excelled. Nick LeBrun finished second. He's no Rayburn rookie. Our legacy continues with uh, having a guest on Bass Edge, and then they go out to their next tournament and do that's, well. That's correct. Anyway, we got extremely lucky with the weather. I got extremely lucky to find some great fish. So it, it worked out good for everybody. I finished 40th place. Um, the house in general that I stay with, you know, Aaron, I stay with Brian Schmidt, and Brad Hallman, and Billy Shelton. And we all did fairly well. Brad did well, but it didn't show in the standings. But that's a totally different story. I'm not going to get into You have to maybe check out some of his uh, social media to read what happened there. But uh, anyway, got the year off to a good start. That's what I was going to say. I mean, starting coming out of the gate, you know, with a, a big check, finishing you know within that 40 range is, is fantastic. Yeah. So it was good. It's a good start. And we're going to dive more into the Rayburn tactics and what happened over there. And we're going to dive into a little bit of that next episode, actually, Aaron, because we are going to have the champ from Rayburn on our next episode. But for now, we have an angler. Definitely one of the top tier elite series anglers and uh, he's getting ready to kick off his season down in florida at the st john's river hang tight luke soil angler spotlight when we return I'm FLW Tour Pro Luke Duncan. I'm professional angler Keith Poche. This is 2019 Bassmaster Classic Qualifier Jared Littner. This is BASS Elite Series Angler Seth Fighter. This is Facts and Fishing host Dave Mercer, and you're listening to Bass Edge Radio. Know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat? MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. Well, hey, Bass Edge Nation. The Bassmaster Elite Series is going to kick off next week at the St. John's River down there in Florida. It'll be the same old Bass Elite event with a few less anglers, but the majority of the field is going to be much different, obviously, than what we've seen in the past. In my view, it's going to be a very advantageous situation for our featured angler today. Pleasure to have back on the show, Bill Lowen. Thanks for spending your time today with us, Bill. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, Bill, like Kurt said, great to have you back. I want to jump in and just find out what your 
thoughts are going into the 2019 season and really how it looks when you prepare to take off in your boat in Palatka, Florida on February 7th? Well, you know, it has definitely been a crazy off season with some of the things that have been going on, you know, with the different tours and things like that. But, you know, I'm staying focused. You know, everybody in the world knows I stayed with Bass. That's where my career started and that's why I decided to stay. You know, I felt that that was the best place for me and my sponsors to be and that's kind of where my heart and gut told me I needed to be. So, you know, I'm not really getting caught up in all that. You know, I'm staying focused on the job at hand. You know, and like you said, yeah, the field is going to look a little different. I know a lot of guys think that maybe it's not going to be as tough as the field. And I'm just going to say this, you know, look at the new guys that have been showing up on tour that how amazing they've been, you know, the Lee brothers and things like that that nobody knew who they were until they showed up at Bass, and they're amazing anglers. And I can guarantee you that that's exactly what you're fixing to see happen again. You know, Bassmaster makes superstars. Um, so without a doubt, sure. we're going to see that again, for sure. So I, like I said, I'm just I'm trying not to get all caught up in all that. Uh, I'm trying to just stay focused and uh, get on the water and do my job. Well, Bill, I've seen a social media photo or two of you over the last week or so, and it looked like you were uh, in a winter wonderland, like staring over maybe a foot or so of snow. With uh, the straining offseason concerning the business side of the sport, what have you been able to concentrate concerning on getting ready to hit the water? And being from Ohio, typically, obviously, the sport starts in the springtime down south. What does it take for you to mentally prepare, as you said, you know, scratching everything else that's been going on? You got to focus in mind. You got to catch fish. You need to make a place in this industry for your sponsors and really just, you know, continue the excellence that you have over the last 12 years fishing on the Bassmaster Elite side. So what is it going to take and what are you concentrating on to get ready to hit the water? Well, you know, I'm a lot different than a lot of the anglers, I think, in that, you know, some of the anglers, they fish nonstop, you know, and uh, I'm kind of one of those anglers that needs a needs a break. Everybody that knows me knows I love to whitetail hunt. I love to waterfowl hunt. So I just basically, you know, at the end of the season, I kind of put the rods and stuff away and take a couple months there and just kind of get away from the fishing scene and just kind of regroup and reset my computer. That way, like right now, I'm ready to go. I mean, I have that burning desire to get on the water and get back at it. I feel like if I didn't take that break, that maybe I'd get burned out. Not necessarily burned out, but you just wouldn't have that extra drive. So at the end of the season, I make sure that I put my stuff away. I don't want to say really neat, but I put it away exactly so like when my new boat shows up here, I know exactly where everything is. So it's easy to, you know, make that transition into a new boat where I'm not stressing out about that. So like I said, yeah, I just take a little bit of a break, reset my computers. And like I said, right now I'm ready to go, man. Well, that's, uh, I think pays dividends. You know, when we talk on the kind of the psychology side of fishing, Bill, I think that works well and certainly we know Dr. Jay McNamara talks about that all of the time in his uh, book Psychology of Exceptional Fishing but Bill the last time we chatted you broke down a swim jig in great detail I really would like for you to break down the style <coughs> of fishing that you lean towards and specifically casting downsized or smaller lures in shallow water has really put a lot of money in your pocket fishing BASS over the last 12 years why do you feel like this approach is so effective well you know I grew up right here on the Ohio River which I consider one of the toughest fishing places in the country. Um, Catching you know, everybody for all always seven laughs. bass on the river, right? Absolutely. And, <laughs> and everybody always jokes that if you can catch a bass on the Ohio River, you can catch one anywhere in the country. And, uh, you know, I, I truly believe that because this place makes you do things a little different, makes you really pay attention to every single bite you get. You know, fishing's all about pieces of the puzzle and you got to pay close attention here because you don't get a lot of bites. You know, this isn't a Lake Amistad or a Lake Falcon or a Gunnersville where you're going to get typically 20 or 30 bites a day. Uh, 
Um, you know, you're going out every day knowing you're going to get five bites. So with that being said, I grew up fishing, you know, I always say finesse power fishing, but just power fishing with small baits. You know what I mean? Whether that be little flat sided crankbaits or little square bills or, you know, like four inch tubes or, you know, three-inch creature baits, just small profile baits that get a lot of bites. So like I said, being raised here, and I haven't changed my style on the tour at all. You know, I'm known as that shallow water angler. And, you know, I always feel like if you can fish your comfort zone and keep yourself in your comfort zone, you make better decisions. You know, when you're out of your comfort zone and things go wrong, you don't know how to recuperate from that. You know, you don't know how to salvage your day. But if you're in your comfort zone and you're doing what you know how to do, typically you've been in that position before and you can salvage your day. Like I said, just being raised where I grew up, um, using those small little compact baits to get a lot of bites. I've just carried that over into the elite tour. And I think that's partly why I've been able to be so successful with, you know, cash and checks and, you know, kind of having that reputation as one of the most consistent anglers on tour. And I think that's just because of where I grew up at. Yeah, Bill, there's no doubt. Talk about consistent anglers on tour. Just so that everybody gets the uh, feel of where Bill's coming from and how effective this is. Career winnings, $1.1 million. 136 tournaments fished in BASS, 93 times in the money. Dude, that's freaking insane. Because that's so insane, we got to dive more into this approach. You know, you talk about growing up on the Ohio River, how difficult it is to catch a fish or, or get bites and then paying attention to those bites. What are some of the small lure presentations that are really your wheelhouse? What are you relying on to cover that shallow water, specifically in this time of year that's approaching us, you know, pre-spawn conditions? One of my favorite techniques is flipping a tube, you know, like a three and a half inch or a four and a half inch striking uh, Denny Brower flipping tube, something like that. You know, if they told me I had one were to use the rest of my career that's probably what it would be yeah that's telling for me you don't hear a lot about tubes these days well that's the other reason too that i like it so much because a lot of guys don't use it anymore but you know if you stop and think about that bait you could take it anywhere in the country for any species whether that be largemouth spotted bass or smallmouth depending on how you rig it and you can catch them anywhere in the country so it would be something like that or it would be some type of a small three inch creature bait like a rodent but you know the big problem that guys have when we talk about fishing the smaller profile baits, these finesse style baits, and using that power technique, you know, still, even though I'm using these smaller baits, I'm using them on 20-pound fluorocarbon and a big flipping rod, you know what I mean? So I'm not finesse fishing by no means. That's why I right. say finesse power fishing, okay? And the big key to this is just having the right gear. You know what I mean? You can't take those little finesse baits and put little light wire hooks in them, you know what I mean? So I'm using high boosted hooks in my stuff and, you know, our straight shank flipping hook, you know, it's one of the only ones in the industry that has those smaller sizes that are still strong. You know what I mean? Those one, two, three-aught straight shanks that you can put on a flipping rod with 20-pound line. You don't have to worry about straightening the hook out. So very important to match your gear to that presentation. You know what I mean? Because if you put light wire hooks in that stuff, man, you are going to get yourself in big-time trouble. You know what I mean? So if I was going to give anybody a tip for this finesse power fishing technique, make sure you use good quality hooks. And if you aren't familiar with the Hayabusa hook, definitely check it out because they have a hook for every situation in this finesse power technique that I'm talking about. Why, well, you can't argue with that, can you? <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, uh that's pretty stout, and I, I keep going back to those statistics that you had read off and being in the money. That speaks volumes, Bill, about consistency, and I think that's what every angler aspires to, and, and I think your analogy compared to the Ohio River, even though we kind of are flippant and joking about it, there's a lot of truth to that, and consistency is what every 
everyone goes after. And I certainly think that you've proven that with your techniques. No doubt. Bill, real quickly, you talked about, you know, kind of flipping, pitching, some plastic presentation. How about during this pre-spawn time frame? What kind of reaction lure, smaller type presentations are you going to use that have been effective for you? You know, one of my favorite ways this time of the year is shallow cranking. And I know a lot of guys, you know, early in the year kind of get scared about that because they don't think that fish get up there that shallow. So I think like a lot of guys shy away from that. And they drag jig, they throw jerk baits and things like that. But, you know, this time of the year is one of the perfect times of the year to throw a, a flat-sided crankbait. And typically for me, I always tell everybody, you know, it's pretty simple. Find a pocket that you know they're going to spawn in or they're going to be migrating to spawn in. Find the last channel swing or the last deep water in the back of that pocket and take that flat-sided bait and get up there kind of parallel, you know, because those fish are going to be in a certain depth the range, whether it be three foot, four foot, six foot, whatever it is. And if you get up there parallel against that stuff, instead of casting at a 45, once you figure out what depth range those fish are in, you can keep that bait in that depth range the whole cast. You know what I mean? You're not just getting it a quarter of the cast. You know, you're getting it 100% of the time in that three foot zone, four foot zone, or six foot zone, simply by just getting in there parallel. You know, the other big key there is, you know, I like a handmade flat-sided balsa bait this time of the year. You know, and I use the Pete's custom lures. I have a signature series lure there from them called a dollar bill that's a great but like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> well we we named it that because it gets a lot of bites you know it helps be very consistent you know but the big key with flat-sided balsa baits is they have a very tight wiggle. You know, look, let's face it, one of the best cold water crankbaits ever made was a shad wrap. So a shad wrap has a very tight wiggle, you know, and that's exactly what you get out of handmade balsa is that very tight wiggle that excels in cold water. So anytime early, early in the spring when I'm trying to get that reaction bite, cranking for me is one of my favorite ways to do it. And uh, like I said, find that last deep water in the back of that spawning pocket. Uh, those fish are going to be migrating there. That's going to be where they're setting up, getting there in there parallel and find out what depth zone you're in and take that flat-sided bait and uh, go to work on them. Bill, that's a great tip. Hang tight right here first. We're going to deploy the power poles, take a quick break. Bass Edge Radio is going to be right back. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the power pole is the ultimate shallow water boat positioning tool. Swift, power pole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, power pole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Power pole, swift, silent, secure. Visit powerpole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio presented in part by Lowrance Electronics returns with BASS Elite Series Pro Bill Lowen in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil high-performance marine products. For oil that surpasses all manufacturer's requirements, be sure to visit the BassEdge.com store for free shipping on all Lucas products. It works. Bill, as you mentioned before the break, you're a huge fan of PH Custom Lures. You got some signature baits from IMA Lures as well. PH Custom, the balsa baits, IMA plastic molded baits. How do you choose for the conditions you encounter on tour? That's pretty simple for me. You know what? I say it's pretty simple for me just because that's what I grew up doing, you know, using that handmade stuff, using a lot of small style crankbaits. So it's simple for me, but for the listeners, you know, it may be really confusing, you know. So here's how I kind of break it down. When the water's cold, you want a crankbait that has a tight wiggle. That's my rule of thumb. You know, I know a lot of guys like a wiggle wart, you know, out in the Ozark areas. It has that exaggerated wide wobble. But for me, day in, day out, I want that tight wiggle, and that's exactly what you get with a handmade balsa bait. You know, that would be my choice when the water's cold. And as that water starts to progress and get warmer, that's when I'm going to reach for a round bait or a square build style bait. 
Okay, you know, and you mentioned that I have a signature series square bill from IMA called the square bill. So here's why I designed that bait. I always wanted a plastic bait that acted like balsa. Don't ask me how the designers did it. The designers at IMA are extremely good at doing things a little different than other bait companies. So what we ended up with is a round square bill bait that has all the characteristics of balsa. And that's exactly what we wanted. You know, it has the buoyancy of balsa. It has that hunting erratic action that we all look for in a balsa bait. But now we have it in a plastic bait. If there was any downfall to balsa is that if you buy 10 of them, all of them are probably going to catch fish, but there'll be three or four of them that are so much better than the other 10 or the other ones that are left over because it's hard to get balsa that is very consistent. You know, you'll have a piece of balsa that's soft, you have a piece of balsa that's hard, and naturally that's going to transition into a bait that acts different. And sometimes that's just the pain in the neck. You know, what you get with the IMA bait that has all the characteristic of balsa is that every bait is consistent. Every bait right out of the package is going to be exactly the same. So you're not reaching in that box trying to find that one that's better than another. So that's exactly why we designed that. You know, we designed that bait with me in mind that I'm a shallow water angler. You know, that bait's going to go in that three to four foot depth range, but I call it a baby dump truck. You can take that square bill and you can throw it anywhere you want. And 99.9% .9 of the time, that bait is going to come back. It's very, very snag resistant. It can come crash it through that cover as hard as you want. And like I said, typically that bait is going to come back. And that's exactly why we designed it to get up there shallow where a lot of guys typically won't throw a crankbait. You know what? And at the end of the day, that's going to put a heck of a lot more bites in the boat for you. That's good. And one thing I want to take off on what you just said there, Bill, and you'd mentioned earlier, as far as the flat side versus round side crankbaits, and you said you look to water temperature. Can you be specific? Specific and give kind of a range of when a person might want to toggle back and forth between the two. Absolutely. I like throwing, starting out in the spring with that flat bait when that water's in the low 40s, typically up to about the low 50s. Um, anytime it starts creeping into those, you know, 60 degree water temperatures, I would start transitioning or working that square bill into the mix. And then, uh, you know, you could throw that square bill all the way through the fall. You know, typically when water starts cooling off in the fall, doesn't have as much effect as it does in the spring, you know, as it's going from cold to warm. So then once you get to the fall and those water temperatures start to get extremely cold, then you just transition back into the flat side of balsa bait again. So it's kind of a one-two punch that you can use throughout the whole season. Bill, one thing I want to mention with the uh, flat-sided crankbaits is, is just from my personal experience, and I'm going to ask you for myself and hopefully, you know, to teach maybe something to everybody else out there because he's you, a, he's you a are... He's a pretty selfish guy, Bill. <laughs> you know are the expert. <laughs> flat-sided crankbaits. They're not hugely popular. If you walk into a tackle store, there's one flat-sided crankbait to 20 round-sided crankbaits, right? Yep. Um, so the flat-sided crankbaits, something that I have noticed when, when I have thrown them is, number one, it seems like a flat-sided crankbait wants to hang up a little bit. You know, if you're throwing it around brush or trees, it doesn't seem to have the same deflecting prowess that a round-sided crankbait does. The second thing I noticed with a flat-sided crankbait is that speed seems to be an utmost of importance to get the lure to run effectively. Can you just touch on those two things and how your experience plays out with those issues or obstacles that I have to overcome myself when I'm looking at these lures? Absolutely. I love hearing you say that, man, every time I throw a flat side, I get hung up. I mean, that's kind of the things that steer guys away from a flat bait. And I think the general area, the fishing area, 
area. Um, if you weren't raised kind of in this South Carolina, Kentucky, Indiana, Ohio type area, you know, I mean, places where the flat-sided baits truly excel and, you know, the guys build them in their garages and things like that, I think you've kind of just been, I would not say left out, but you've kind of just weren't introduced to that. So that's another plus to growing up here. You know, I grew up with right here in this area, five or six bait companies or guys build them in their garages. You know what I mean? So I, like I said, sure. I was raised on that. But the big thing that guys got to remember is this isn't a square bill bait, okay? This isn't a bait that was designed to cast it in the cover and just wind and crash it through there. You know, that's what so many guys are used to when they're crankbait fishing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They just throw it up there and wind it back and it crankbait comes through the cover and typically it doesn't get hung up. Well, what a flat-sided bait is, you have to do what I call worm that crankbait through the cover. You almost have to fish that bait through the cover with the reel and with the rod. I mean, if you feel it coming up this time, you just can't keep winching on it. I mean, you actually got to float it or flutter it over that piece of cover because what happens is the flat-sided bait has a tendency to want to roll on its side. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the other characteristic of why the flat-sided bait is so good because it flashes and it darts and it rolls on its side and things like that. But with that being said, when it comes up to a piece of cover and rolls over on its side, naturally you're going to get hung up. So it doesn't have the characteristics to deflect off of that. So you have to worm it through. You have to stay in contact with that bait. You have to know exactly what that bait's doing all the time. And you have to literally fish it through the cover. I would compare it to like fishing a jig through the cover. You know what I mean? As you're feeling every limb and you're pulling it up to the limb and popping it over and things like that. That's exactly the way that you have to fish a flat-sided bait. And for guys that have never done that, it takes a little bit of time to learn that technique and learn how to get that flat-sided bait through there without getting it hung up. Man, that's great stuff. And perhaps, Bill, that's why it works better, because you're keeping it in the strike zone perhaps longer if they're holding around that cover. I want to ask you quickly, before we head to the listener question here, fiber carbon crankbait bill versus plastic. Is there a major advantage of either, or do you use them both? And if so, for what situation? You know, I use them both, and it always seems to me that a carbon fiber or a circuit board bill deflects off a cover harder than, let's say, a Lexan bill. It's a hard material, it flexes less than a Lexan bill will. So it so it just has that tendency to deflect off a of color really hard and help you maybe trigger that reaction bite. You know, if there was any drawback to the circuit board bill, it tends to get chewed up faster in rock than the Lexan bill does. Not necessarily do I know why. I just noticed that if you're grinding um, Alexa or a circuit board bill into the rock, it has a tendency to kind of get its corners wore away faster than a Lexan bill would. So that would be the only drawback to that, you know. But when I look at the positives of that bait deflecting off of a piece of cover a little harder and maybe triggering an extra bite that you wouldn't have got. I think it's a big plus. Okay, so uh, as Aaron always wants to mention, I, I selfishly have to answer another question that, that I need the response to. <laughs> and that's that's with these crankbait bills. You know, growing up, I'm always hearing the uh, microchip bill or the fiber carbon crankbait bill versus the plastic. Fiber carbon, much thinner, plastic, thicker, uh, hence maybe why, you know, as you mentioned about, you know, the carbon fiber not doing great on rock, but plastic doing a little bit better. Depth of the lure, the thin bill of the fiber carbon, does that help achieve greater depth than a plastic bill? You know, I can't honestly say that I've noticed a huge difference when it comes to that. I would say if you look at science or physics or whatever you want to call it, naturally you think that that center bill is going to go deeper. But as far as me taking the same bait with the same bill in it and fishing it, I don't notice any more depth out of it. If there was anything that would jump out into my mind that would stand out, it would be that those two bills give the bait a different action. 
Okay, simply even just by winding it through the water. You know, let's say you take a square bill crankbait and put a circuit board bill in it and it has a really good wobble. If you take that same bait and put a Lexan bill in it, it may increase or decrease the wobble of that bait. And every bait's going to be different. But I just noticed that between those two materials, it tends to give a bait a different action, not necessarily getting a deeper dive angle. Gotcha. All right, good stuff. All right, we are going to move right into the listener question. This listener question is brought to us by Nitro Performance Bass Boats. And Rick Harris from Del Rio, Texas asks, how do I choose between using a jig versus plastic creature bait? I feel like it bigger bites with a jig, but I see many touring anglers flipping plastics. Should I just stick with my jig or when do I pick up that plastic creature bait? That's like the million dollar question. And here's how I'm going to try to answer that. And I'm just going to use this by my personal experience and kind of what I do. You know, typically for me, every time that boat leaves the dock, I have both tied on. I have a soft plastic and I have a jig, whether that be a flipping jig or a swim jig. I always tend to have a jig tied on. Okay. And here's why I think you see so many guys using soft plastics is because this goes back to what we talked about earlier in the show. It's all about getting bites. You know what I mean? It's all about putting fish in that live well and being consistent. And I think soft plastics get you more bites than a jig will. Yes, he's exactly right. He gets bigger bites with a jig, but he may not necessarily be getting enough bites. Okay. And I feel like if you're using some type of creature bait or maybe a striking game hog, you know, something that you know has got that small, subtle profile that's going to get you a lot of bites. That's why you see so many anglers on tour using soft plastics. Because look, number one, it's all about getting five in the box and then sure. upgrading from there okay so typically for me i'll start out with soft plastics get a good sign of limit in the boat switch to the jig and try to upgrade you know yeah you're not going to get a lot of bites but you're, this seems like your average size of your fish is going to go up and once you've got a good solid limit in the boat you know that's what it's all about at that point it's not about catching 50 more fish you know what i mean it's about catching two or three more fish that you're going to upgrade with well, that would be the way that I would approach that. You know what I mean? Unless you just know that, man, I'm getting a tremendous amount of bites on a jig, then you're going to stick with that. You know what I mean? Because you're number one, you're getting a lot of bites and you're going to get bigger bites. So if you know that going into it, by all means, stick with the jig. But, you know, if you're just not getting a lot of bites on that jig, you definitely need to mix in the soft plastics to get your numbers back up. And then once you do that, you know, maybe transition back over to the jig. And that would be my recommendation. Well, thanks, Bill, for answering that question. And Rick, uh, certainly we appreciate you sending in that question. But remember, we need one more thing from you, and that is to either contact us through our social media outlets or log on to BassEdge.com. Click the Claim Your Prize segment, letting us know that you heard Bill answer your question on episode 297, and we will get that Bass Edge gift sent directly to you. And as a continued reminder to Bass Edge listeners, keep sending those questions into the show via our website, BassEdge.com. Have a shot at winning another gift from Bass Edge Radio. You may also email us, support at BassEdge.com. Simply leave us a comment on our Facebook or Instagram media pages. Well, Bill, uh, appreciate you taking time out and visiting us here on Bass Edge again. I know it's been a long time, and uh, but certainly you're always a wealth of knowledge. Any final thoughts for Bass Edge Nation? You know, I mean, as far as the final thought goes, you know, I'm sitting up here in Indiana in the snow. It's like 10 degrees outside. And like we talked earlier, man, I'm ready to go fishing. So I just hope that everybody that's out there on the water catches a big one. If you do, get on my social media page. Send me a picture. Get me amped up more than I already am, ready to go. <laughs> and uh, I wish everybody luck in, in the upcoming season. No doubt Bill's ready to jump in the truck and go check out some palm trees. That's, that's in his immediate <laughs> future. Well, hey, I'm going to we'll send you off. We have a little, well, some coconuts too, right? <laughs> Maybe a margarita. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm going to send you off with our final segment, which is four last questions for you. We didn't talk about it a whole lot earlier in the interview, but I know you're a fan of Optimum Baits. What is your favorite Optimum Bait? Oh, man. You know, right now, if I had to pick one, it would probably be the Boom Boom Swim Bait. You know, it's uh, I've never been a guy that I liked big swim baits. You know what I mean? Just because where I grew up, you know, we talked about this and, you know, right. finesse baits and things like that. And that Boom Boom Swim Bait is a big, giant swim bait, you know, six, seven-inch bait. But now, you know, he's got a lot of smaller stuff. But still, I like that bigger size, you know. And I catch a lot of two-pound fish on that bait. So for a guy that's not comfortable fishing a big swim bait man i'm here to tell you that even though it's big you catch two pounders on it you know what i mean all the way up to five or six pounds so if i'm reaching for a big swim bait that's definitely what i'm going to reach for so if i had to pick a favorite bait right now in that lineup that big swim bait is probably going to be it all right that sounds good what is your last picture you took on your phone well i don't know if y'all have seen it or not but my daughter just shot an absolute giant buck a couple days ago so that's probably the last picture that's on there we've been having a lot of fun with that right now very cool i like that and how how, your daughter's pretty young right she's 10 yep 10 got a big buck i like it we'll have to check that out all right so wings boneless or bone in bone in (laughs) (laughs) which bass elite event is on the radar for the w man you know i i try not to take the event and and put too much thought in it you know i mean i don't like showing up at an event fishing on history and things like that so i try to attack every event with an open mind and fish the conditions of the event so i typically don't ever try to say man this is the one i'm looking forward to this is the one i know i'm going to do good in i take everyone a step at a time and try to do the very best that i can so is, is there one that jumps out in mind not necessarily like i said i just try to fish the conditions and make the best of it so I look at all of them for the W. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. That's right. Well, that's a great approach, Bill. It's been awesome catching back up with you. Great stuff on the crankbaits. And, man, just a lot of good information in this interview. I want to wish you the best of luck down there coming up this week on the St. John's River and the rest of the BASS Elite Series season. Bass Edge Radio will return in a moment. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat? MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Kurt Bill Lowen, again, brings the stuff, and this episode in particular, and this is not a shameless plug, but I felt like his talking about his mental break for two months 
consistency, momentum. There's a lot of themes that came right out of Jay McNamara's book, The Psychology of Exceptional Fishing, and I really enjoyed how he put all of those together. Yeah, agreed. You know, the reason I rattled off his accomplishments during the interview was really to capture Bass Edge Nation real closely because this guy has really, 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 really <laughs> had a ton of success fishing his style. And it's a regional style and he's taken that to a platform and he knows that style so well that you're right, Aaron, you know, the mental part of it, he just gets away from the sport and he goes back every year and does his style again and recreates the same product, you know, and that is a consistent placement check caching, just like his lure from PH Customs, the dollar bill, right? So it's really cool just to see how Bill has encompassed himself. And we talk about angler identity. We haven't talked about this in a long time, but if there's a guy out there that gets his angler identity, Bill Lowen's one of those guys. I can think of a few others that get their identity to a T and he's one of those guys. And what I mean by that is he knows his comfort zone. He knows where he competes the best, you know? And so he doesn't try to go out and, and fish a ledge. He doesn't try to go drop shot in 80 foot. And, you know, I'm not saying he never does that, but the likelihood of that is non-existent for the most part. He's 100% focused on his strengths, how he grew up fishing there on the Ohio River. And it's cool how he's taken that and had gigantic success. He doesn't have that big W yet, but his success is unparalleled, man. There's not a lot of guys that have had Bill Lowen's success. And he no. broke it down for us today in lots of ways. Oh, for sure. I mean, he's made a career out of doing what you just said. And for those who want to take to the next level, his episode on swim jigs that we did on Bass Edge Radio, which that is all the way back on episode 185, is definitely worth a listen as well because yeah. uh, how he breaks that down, if you thought this is kind of up your alley and, and getting into the detail, he really does a great job with the swim jig. So unfortunately, Kurt, we are out of time. I know you're rushing out to pick out your Valentine's day cars that you're going to send to all your fellow anglers yeah i'm taking ronda to florida for valentine's you know flw tour also has an event coming up this week so uh it's a busy time you know as i mentioned in the preload there's no shortage of bass fishing for the fans this year i'm gonna get off the water know what i'm doing at flw tour at the same time i'll be checking the standings over at the bass elite series event the week before that i'm be seeing what's going on at the mls event I can't get bass overload, so no. I'm good with it. <laughs> Absolutely. That's great. And certainly, as we wrap up, be sure to check out our own Kurt Dove on uh, both, I think, both days of your uh, Rayburn tournament are there on FLW Live, so hats off to you. But uh, in the meantime, if you don't have enough bass stuff going on, be sure to check out BassEdge.com where you can find Jay McNamara's book and certainly uh, free shipping on Lucas Oil products and all kinds of goodies there. So be sure to check out BassEdge.com. In the meantime, for Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin and the rest of the Bass Edge crew. So long, everybody, and we will see you in two weeks, episode 298. The Edge is presented by MegaWare Keelguard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lowrance Electronics, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com. 